there was a, an early church father, um, Tertullian, who said famously, I believe because it's absurd. And of course, this has been roundly ridiculed, uh, especially by contemporaries, because the idea that you believe something because it's absurd is utterly ridiculous. I mean, if I say that I believe that the toys start moving around at night when I'm asleep, and then you say to me, that's absurd, and then I say, not simply, no, no, I know it's absurd, but I still believe it. But if I say, I know it's absurd, and that's why I believe it, right? That's, that's kind of crazy. Mm. But um, in relation to my own experience and what I'm going to be talking about today at the Amiga course, um, I actually think this is getting to the core of what Christianity is. Uh, Albert Camus defined the absurd incredibly well. He said, the absurd is the experience of a meaning-seeking being confronting a universe that withholds meaning. So at a very simple level, the absurd is I, as someone who seeks meaning, confront a universe that either rejects that meaning or withholds that meaning, doesn't give me meaning. And so if you look at someone like the, the Dadaists or Surrealists or whatever, that in some respects they're exploring this experience of the absurd. Now, interestingly for me, Christianity has got something to do with that because at its core it has this idea of Christ crucified, God dying. This is absurd in a, in a traditional framework. The idea of God dying is kind of like a, that's a ridiculous statement. It, 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 in its traditional context, um, people would have heard that as the exact opposite of everything you would expect from God. It's the exact opposite of wisdom and the exact opposite of ethics. The exact, it's, it just doesn't make any sense. Parables are another example. They, are, they confront you with absurdity. They don't give you meaning. They crack and rupture your systems of meaning. And so in a sense, what often I see within the Gospels and what attracted me to Christianity was uh, not that it's a meaning-giving system, although that's what kind of religion generally is. It either endorses the meaning of, the, of society, gives it its blessing, sometimes offers a counter-meaning to society, or just replicates the meaning and power of society. But actually what drew me to Christianity was I saw it as that which ruptures our ideas of what's right and wrong, good and bad. It connects with the people in that reading, the, those people in our time and in our space who rupture our senses of what's right or wrong, what's sexually pure and impure, what's morally correct or incorrect. That Jesus was continually picking up like the, the, the um, uh, good Samaritan, you know, this picking the figure who is seen as wrong and bad, and then using them as a way of critiquing our whole sense of ethics and morals and insight. And when I was 17, that's how I experienced Christianity. That was my conversion. Was it, was an, it was an utter critique of my whole modality, my whole way of thinking about the world. And that, that kind of ruptured, and it was an experience of the absurd. So my conversion was really an encounter with the absurd. And it was connected to Christianity. But I think I'm right in saying that that absurdity wasn't voiced in the environment. Oh. <laughs> no, I mean, that's all, the, no. I mean, I think the interesting thing is that um, it would seem to me that, again, both of us were in environments where 
absurdity was the least order yes. of business and the main order of business was legitimizing a particular way of being so it took me like it took me 20 years and to how, did, kind of, how yeah. did that happen i guess oh, is yeah. what i'm asking yeah so it, you go because you went into a charismatic church mm-hmm. like you were an evangelist at one point right yeah doing oh, yeah. street praying for people absolutely which will happen at the end of this yes <laughs> i'm very good <laughs> at getting rid of demons i did a lot of exorcisms not oh, a lot of exorcisms that's a lie i did a few exorcisms in my good time. At that? a lot of healings yeah i would even like get words and then go to places to give the words to people oh you'd have been in- my worst nightmare <laughs> <laughs> i knew yeah. so many people uh, yeah no yeah. yeah okay so so you're right. in that environment yeah and uh you're obviously in the beginning embracing that wholeheartedly Yes, and it took me 20 years to get to the point to express the absurdity that I felt because what Barry's saying is, yeah, immediately I entered into a church which then gave me a new structure of meaning, a new way of thinking about the world, a new, basically replicating what I'd I'd experienced the loss of. Um, I was then in a world where I just then replicated meaning and power with a different narrative, a countercultural narrative. Sure. Uh, yeah. So what were, the, what were the things that enabled you to move? Because a lot of people just stay there. Yeah. And, whether, and, and, you know, for some people that works. And some people it doesn't work, but they don't know what else to replace it with. Um, what, what were the things, that, or, or were there significant things that happened that brought that 20-year journey? What, what were the highlight points that, yeah. that shifted that ground for you? So yeah. that we wind up on a Sunday morning... Uh, talking about the absurdity of it all, yeah. as that's the normal discourse. Like, why wouldn't you? Yeah, why? <laughs> Christianity is obviously about affirming the absurd. Uh, yeah, which is completely obviously not obvious to most of us. <clears throat> um, there's a few elements. You know, one very simply is the text itself uh, is is quite a dangerous weapon. It's always critiquing. I mean, this is even why I start, I like Karl Barth temporarily a long time ago, because his early book, he wrote this book called The Epistle to the Romans, and, it, he, and in it he had this, you know, searing insight, which was the gospel, whatever it is, strikes us as a no to every yes. It comes in as a projectile that smashes all of our understandings, and then he says, including Christianity, right? That, that was his movie. He says, it's not just the world, it's like it Whatever, whatever you have, it, it breaks that as well. And I, I find that, and I find that within the biblical text, but also life experience. I mean, one of the things you know, Camille talks about the absurd, but it's all very well saying the universe withholds meaning. It, it, you don't experience it like that. You always experience it concretely: the death of someone you love, the broken, a broken relationship, a loss of a job, um, a becoming homeless, a dealing with mental illness. It, it always. That experience is concrete. It happens in history, in your life. And some of those experiences obviously happen to me. I like to say happen to all of us. And then you've got a choice. And this is what, uh, this is what we're talking about today, but this, this afternoon. But this is what I think faith is, and it's different from belief. Um, faith is where you allow that rupture to, you take it into yourself. Because you can try and run from it. We're amazing at finding meaning 
in crazy, meaningless experiences. We almost prefer to have a meaning, even if it means that we're bad. Oh, that happened because I'm a bad person, because I'm sinful. Is almost better for us than no explanation at all, than simply a confrontation with the universe that seems to withhold meaning. That's even more terrifying than no meaning. And you see this all the time, even with things like the Holocaust, people want to give meaning because it's, it's, it's almost less terrifying. Um, but I find this always this rupturing of meaning in the biblical text in my life experience. I find it somehow affirmed within the Jewish and Christian tradition. And I had to try to learn to have the courage to embrace Christ crucified, basically, embrace the absurdity. And, and actually, I find that that was liberating that that was transformative. But I also had to create a community to do it. I couldn't do it on my own, so I created Icon um, as a way to do this with, with other people. I don't know if that makes any sense. And I don't want this to be an interview of me, so you, know, you talk about this well, in relation to your experiences. Well, I, I mean, I, I think... I mean, <clears throat> I, I think one of the, one of the things that, that happens in, in life is every, everything has a, a, a language system you know yeah. so christians speak science speak accountancy speak you know there there are, there are, there are words there are concepts there there are ideas and and when you first engage in, in in something there's a tendency to embrace the structure and the language that's given to you and you tend i think to assume all of that also assuming the the people that give it to you um know what they're doing and are very clear about what what all this means and then i, I think in, in in a similar way um you then encounter life that doesn't fit the grid life for which the language of this particular system isn't sufficient yeah. and, the, and usually it's it, it's at the it's at the edges of life where things go go wrong you know where where, where meaning you know where where meaninglessness Intrudes yes. or pain intrudes or, 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 or stuff like that. So I, th- I think, for me, uh, you know, we 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 speak differently about about you know your 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 lens has really always been uh, has principally been through philosophy. Mm-hmm. Mine's really been through art, you know, and yeah. through music um, particularly. Um, so we we say I think sometimes pretty much the same things but yeah. in two different language grids because it is so, punk i mean this is punk yeah. this is data this is yeah you know there and so you know punk in a sense is a is it, it it confronts society with something that from the societal perspective is absurd fashion yeah. ideas music that is discordant that doesn't fit it's funny yeah, it's funny you should say that because i remember you know so no offense to church music but church music, you know, and, and, and especially in, in, in the environments in, in, in which we came of age, which was very, uh, a particular kind of sort of Christian pop music. And, you know, I, 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 I remember standing there one day just really trying to get this thing, you know, and, mm. and, and I'm just not one of these people, you know, I, I don't put my hands in the air for Beyonce, so I'm not going to put them in the air for Jesus, you know, I'm just not, I'm not that, yeah. I'm not that person. But, but I, 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 I'm just—I I remember sort of standing there, and I went, you know, punk is just three chords and the truth. Mm-hmm. Punk is just three chords and the truth, yeah. 
And this was revelatory for me because it was one of the, the first sort of moments where I applied the language of another world that I was really well versed in to this religious world. And it was the undoing. It was the undoing because I was like, okay, so it doesn't have to be this and the truth. It can be, you know, and, and, and so for me, um, you talk about, you know, Christianity as, as the absurd. I, I think of it as anarchy. Yeah. You know, our yeah. friend John Caputo last night, he, he talks about sacred anarchy. And when I read that, I mean, I, I, I remember when I Googled looking for him and I saw that line, you know, from his book, The Weakness of God, and it was a sacred anarchy. And I'm like, he's a punk and he doesn't even know it. Yeah. Yeah. You, you know, and not that I'm even claiming punkdom. I'm just saying mm-hmm. the, the influence of that. So, so I, 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 I think that, that if, if you pay attention and you... But you, have to, but you do have to come to a realization, don't you? Because there's a, there, there is a tension when the, the system that you've been given, you bump up against it and then it bumps up against you. I mean, it's not an easy thing when you suddenly start thinking for yourself yeah. and voicing concerns or trying to find other ways to experience and express this stuff. I mean, it's very easy to sort of sit here and, and make it like a linear one, two, three thing. But that's a painful realization oh, that yeah. there, there's a hole in the meaning system. That, that's a beautiful way of saying it. There's always holes, gaps, and ruptures in our meaning systems. And we try to cover those over as much as possible. And yet those wounds, the, kind of the interesting trick is those wounds can be the, the thing that heal us. Um, but they're the things we try to avoid um, as yeah. much as possible. Um, but one thing that actually we were at a Caputo lecture last night in L.A. And Which is what we do on Saturday night. Yeah, Saturday nights. We, we are rock and roll. That is punk right there. Um, <laughs> Yeah, but he, he makes a distinction between the possible and the impossible, which is similar to what we're talking about here. And the possible is really a name for what you can uh, put in your diary, that your future that you can predict. It's it's your meaning system. It's your you know all those things that you can understand. That's the possible. The impossible isn't in the same way that the absurd isn't square triangles. In the same way, the impossible philosophically isn't. You know, square triangles, or can God create a burrito so hot that God can't eat it, or some other kind of logical problem? Um, the impossible is just what you cannot imagine coming. The and it's called the apocalypse in religion. It's the it's what you can't put in the diary. Whether it's a pregnancy, a divorce, a death, a, a new person coming into your life, something that just disrupts your entire existence that you can't fit into the system of meaning. That in a sense gives birth to new meaning and a new world to a new future, a future that doesn't look like the one that you were imagining, whether that's good or whether that's horrible, a future where I'm just going to be alone, there'll be whatever, and then bam, something opens up that a new future arises. Now, for Caputo, he says, we don't live in the impossible. Um, that would be like, he says, Kafka, you know, a person t- turning into a bug, you know, where everything's crazy and chaotic. We don't live in, in the impossible. We are meaning beings. We have structures of meaning. We have systems that, that do us lots of good on a day-to-day basis. But we have to be open to the impossible. Those times in our lives when someone comes in, and it's maybe your kids come back from university with crazy ideas that they learned at university that challenged the family's views on politics. And there's a point where the family has to either ignore that, let's not talk around, about that around the table, or they let the child's views, in one sense, rupture the family. So in a sense, the absurd isn't where you live. 
But it's just, uh, Caputo has a line, he says, religion is not projection, it's a projectile. And so religion is projection, is what Feuerbach does. Uh, ultimately, religion projects what we want and desire and, and a world of meaning, and it's really a bigger version of ourselves. And there is religion that does that. But religion at its best is a projectile that breaks into our systems of meaning, our projections, what we imagine. And in a sense, we just want to be open to that impossibility, that apocalypse uh, in our lives and, and not be afraid of it, um, even though it might cause disaster, which it might. The apocalypse is not always a good thing, but sometimes it's better than, than just nothing at all. No dynamism in our lives, no possibility for new things breaking in. And we take responsibility for this, this projectile that ruptures things. We take the risk. We hope that this new relationship will work, even though the three before it didn't. And we go, okay, I'm going to take the risk. This is an apocalypse, and I want to give myself to it. But whatever it looks. Yeah. Um, the, I, I, the, the thing that, that um, I, I think is most... Maybe it's not the most interesting, and, and this might sound... Uh, I don't mean it to sound uh, self or mutually self-congratulatory, you know, or anything like that. But Although I, I don't mind that. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Take your you're time. You're extremely handsome. Is, is, is this being recorded? Yes, it is. Yeah, yes, okay, yeah. You're yeah. a fine and handsome man. Yeah. <laughs> Even with the scar, yeah. the dog scar. The dog scar, yeah. I was bitten speaking, by a dog. Speaking of apocalypse. Yes, that was an apocalyptic moment. I was at a party and I was just leaving. And then this beautiful big St. Bernard just ripped my face. That was a, that's an apocalypse. That was a message from the universe. Yes, that's right. <laughs> what I was going to say was... But here, so here we are. It's been how long? Twenty years for you, or thereabouts. Yep. It's been a bit longer than that for me, and we've sort of wrestled through. And I think wrestling through is is really the, the, the it's a metaphor that I would use because it's not like an easy path to find to find your way through that. Although I, the thing that that continues to amaze me is that the whole world, the the whole world that that we've come of age in has pierced and burst virtually every bubble of existence that, that we held as safe and secure and certain in our lifetime. And so many people seem shocked when a religious bubble is, is burst, particularly when it's, when it's their own. And there, 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 there's a certain trauma that comes, I think, when, when you sort of realize, oh, I've given myself to something and I thought it was this, but I just had a little um, piece of the pie. But I wondered what, what it is in you that makes this conversation still worthwhile. Mm -hmm. If it is worthwhile. Yeah. I mean, maybe it's not, yeah. but you're doing it. Yeah. Well, I mean, in, in light of what Barry said there was, you know, in our lives, bubbles burst, right? And I'm just giving you all the, the, the metaphors. Yeah, these are, I'm writing them down. Yeah. This is good stuff. <laughs> Gold. Um, and, but in some, in some ways, and it's, it's a difficult thing to do. It's almost impossible. Uh, I don't do it. But there's a certain sense in which sometimes we can change how we perceive that bubble being burst. Mm. 
Um, and we, and in, instead of it always being something that destroys us, it can be seen as having something that that makes things burst things open again, makes things new. And that's that's what the impossible is. That's what the absurd is. And some of what I think we're trying to do here in communities like this, at its very basic level, is somehow make peace with those elements. Now, that doesn't mean accepting them and saying they're good. It doesn't mean nothing like that. But somehow... Um, kind of changing how we perceive those aspects of our existence. That's the punk kind of ethic. And, and the reason why I'm still in this conversation is because, well, one is I think that's a very, very helpful thing potentially to do. I'm trying to do it in my own life. I think Christianity at its radical, subversive, scandalous core is punk. Um, Christ crucified is the original. There's this religious group called the, um, oh, what are they called? The the Dead. No, it begins with D. Discordanists, thank you, thank you. The Discordanists, I've just learned about them recently, but it's kind of like a you know kind of satirical religious group who embrace the absolute chaos of existence. Um, I think they were big in the 70s or something, but um, it's kind of going like Christ crucified is the original Discordanists. Mm. It's the original data move, um, and it's somehow when we are able to make make space for those places, which is what grace is, by the way. Whenever you've got something that is destructive in your life, or you're doing something that's wrong, or whatever, you either want to try and change it, do some self-help, right, I'm going to do these 12 steps, I'm going to do cognitive behavior, whatever, I'm going to, you want to change, and sometimes that's useful, by the way, sometimes that's good, <laughs> but if that's the starting point, I think it's more problematic, either do self-help to try to fix it, or you condemn yourself, you say, I'm a bad person, I shouldn't do this. But there's another way, which is the first step is have grace for that aspect of yourself, which means accept it. And then you allow it to speak. And you ask, what is this saying to me? How can this teach me? Uh, you know, is there something in this behavior, say, outbursts of anger for no apparent reason? Is there something that this is telling me about my life that I need to listen to? And it's very, very difficult. And then you can get into doing techniques, whatever. But all of this to say that um, when we encounter these experiences of destruction, these experiences of damage in our lives, these difficult times, instead of trying to run from them, cover over them, whatever, there's some way in which we can allow them to speak. Uh, And that can often be a healing experience and one that can, can bring us into new life. Yeah, it's interesting. Um, I remember um, I was always struck um, because I, I, I think over the... I mean, I have a love-hate relationship with religion. It's just that it, it's, it's the bane of my existence mm-hmm. and it's the joy of my existence at the same time. And, and that's a constant day, daily thing. It really is. And it has been for such a long time. And, and there have always been these moments where the tendency has been... Oh, enough. It just can't be bothered anymore. You, yeah. you know what I mean? But I, I, I always come back to... And it's funny. Um, a lot of people think I don't read the Bible, but, but I actually read it quite a lot yeah. and have read it quite a lot over, uh, uh, over the years. Um, and, uh, and, and so I, I, I find myself 
connecting a lot of these dots to, to particular stories. And, and I remember that there's that moment in, in, in the Gospels where, you know, Jesus is... I, th- I think it's where he, like, tells everybody, you know, if you don't drink my blood and eat my flesh, you've you got nothing to do with me. You know, which is an intense move. Mm. However, you know, put it in any cultural context, that's pretty... It's pretty intense, you know, to say, yeah, drink my blood. Not, you know... And he doesn't say, oh, by the way, this is just a symbol. Yeah. <laughs> He's, you know, unless you drink my blood and, and eat my flesh, you have no part of me. And, and there's this image where everybody just sort of drops the bread and just goes like walking off. And, um, and then he sort of turns around to, to his disciples and, and, he, and he says, so are you leaving as well? And uh, I think it's Peter says, well, where are we going to go? And, 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 and I think that um, for, for me, that the hook is, is that what, whatever else and, and, and religion I think can be many things and, uh, and, and I think for better or worse the, the, the principal lens through which western society needs to explore the questions of the, the sacred or belief or stuff I think it has to be Judeo-Christianity because it's we're framed within within that horizon I think there's so much work to go outside and embrace another cultural form of religion I'm not saying that you can't but yeah. but even the Dalai Lama will tell you to stick with your own faith because you just aren't on the inside of of other things but but religion I think it it can be and and is presented as as many things but I, but I think, at least for me, um, and perhaps this, this is in, in, in sync with you on, on, on some level, it, it is a means, a very vital means, I think, by which we can actually address those things that you just yeah. sort of named. Um, that, it, that it's an environment uh, for coming to, to self-awareness, uh, uh, to, to, to coming alive. Not, not exiting life. But, but entering life, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, and, yeah. and maybe that's the, maybe that's the biggest. I think the biggest transition for me over the last thirty odd years is that I entered into a Christianity that was obsessed with anywhere but planet Earth. Mm. You know, Earth was it was like it, it was like the launch pad at NASA, but the goal wasn't to be on the launch pad. The goal was, you know, you got to get to heaven. You got to, you know, and, and you think about you think about um, the ecstatic nature of the Christianity that, that we grew up in, you know, sort of charismatic Christianity, where even when you sing, you close your eyes and, and you raise your hands, which is a way of not being here. You know, it comes actually, uh, I, I taught this at the seminar where I'm at, it, it comes straight from uh, the, the drug culture of the 1960s. It, it's part of the, the, the movement out of the psychedelic culture into Christianity. That whole form of, uh, of worship is a, is a, a, a de-drugged you know, attempt to reclaim something. But I, I, I was like, but surely to live is to see, you know, to have your, have your eyes open. Surely mm. it's not to close your eyes to the world, but it's to open your eyes to, to life, to, to, to yourself, to others. It seems to me that, that, that Christianity is, is actually the very opposite of what it's so often presented as. Yeah. That it's not, uh, it's not an escape from, from reality at all. In fact, you know, those constant encouragings 
from, from Jesus. Ears to hear, eyes to see, um, to listen. You know, th- those are all invitations to pay attention to life. Yeah. Here and now, our own life, the, the, the life of others. And I think for me, the, the, the biggest transition has been the pulling down of um, the um, bringing actually Christianity down to earth, putting shoes on it. Yeah. yeah. You know, there's a, I have a thing about shoes. I don't know if you knew that about oh, me, yeah. but <laughs> you know, I have a little bit of a shoe fetish. Um, and, and I think shoes say a lot about people. No offense, but. If you're dating somebody and they're wearing square-toed shoes, beware. Um, mm. <laughs> it means they haven't moved out of the late 80s. But, mm. um, but you know, um, they're, 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 it's, how, it's how you're grounded. To, it's how you get grounded to the, to the world. And, 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 and I think that, uh, in some sense, uh, Christianity um, it, it is a, a, a way in which you, you get shoes. Mm. To, to walk on earth yeah. in, uh, and, and to become more fully human yeah. you know I mean don't we use the, you know realized I, uh, mm-hmm. I, I, don't, I don't know but, but that's, a, that, that's a long journey it's a long journey from heaven to earth mm-hmm. I, think, I think and um, the, the, the trajectory of privatized religion um, in the 19th and 20th centuries that was so focused on afterlife concerns um, has been one of the long internal battles of my existence. Yeah, very good. And one thing you were talking about there, about how Christianity can be incredibly destructive or liberating, which could be otherworldly, or it can be getting you into the earth. Anything that demands your ultimate concern um, can be very destructive or very powerful. That's the problem. The problem is you cannot make, you know, a fire can always burn or, yeah. you know, cook your food. Um, if you want to domesticate religion to a point where it yeah. does no evil, um, the, you're probably going to lose what can also make it yeah. do a lot of good. I'm not saying that's good or bad. I'm just sadly saying that's when you're dealing with stuff that, that connects with those deepest parts of ourselves, yeah. you're dealing with very dangerous material. I also think there's, you know, there's that, that, that notion that, Julia Kristeva has that um, it's adolescents who embrace absolutes. It's adolescents that are like totally in love or totally not in love, and everything is is an, is an extremity yeah. of uh, of, of uh, emotion. And, and and I think another part of that equation is the the whole idea of of moving beyond adolescence in. Uh, in the way you, you sort of look at life and particularly look at life through through the lens of religion mm-hmm. you know um, I think she says that you know um, I can't remember the, the line exactly but if you you know embrace absolutes it's just disaster yeah. on, on, on a level you could say you could say that I mean this is one of the distinctions between religious Christianity and religionless Christianity could be said to be um, that if your system of belief destroys people, um, that's idolatry, that's this form of that your system is higher than people. But if you allow people to destroy and rupture your systems, then I think that's the kind of Christianity yeah. that Jesus taught. And of course, you see that in, you know, the law was not made for people, or people were... But you know what I'm saying. I, can't, I can well, never no, get that right. You know, you know it's funny, because when, when I... When I 
you know, part of the way I, I, I attempted to work through all of this is, is I went to seminary. Not because mm-hmm. I wanted a degree, um, but I, I, I wanted to answer some questions. And I figured, well, you, you go where people are answering those questions. So I found a seminary uh, in a phone book because I didn't want to move because I wasn't looking, you know, to get degreed. So, so I went to this seminary wh- where, I, where I'm still involved and, st- and still teach. And I remember in the, in the, first, the first term, I was like, oh... I made a big mistake here. That this is just not for me. These aren't the questions. I'm not interested in any of this stuff. But there was one guy. Um, his name was Ray Anderson, um, bit of a poet on the side. And uh, in a, in a class, he'd, he he taught a class on actually systematic theology and ethics. But it was all rooted in a kind of very practical thing because his entire academic life, he worked with a community of about 15 people in his house. You know, mm-hmm. and and. Um, he, he was talking about that story um, in, uh, the, um, in, in, in the Gospels. And um, he, he, he would raise these questions, you know, about um, how you deal with, like, marriage and divorce or infidelity or, or, or stuff like that. And, and that would be a cue for people to, like, rant on their position. Mm. You, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, because it's given a raw meat to someone that just really wants to let you know how you should think about things, you know? And he said this really profound thing that kept me at school. Um, and, and, he, and he was talking about institutions and, and he was talking about marriage and divorce. And he said that whenever... Um, preservation of the institution inhibits someone's life you're on the wrong side of God Mm -hmm. and he quoted that scripture that the Sabbath was made for man not man for the Sabbath Sabbath. Mm -hmm. and 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 that that got me through a whole year of seminary sort of going oh there's another way of thinking about this the the institutional self-preservation isn't the religious game yeah. that the institution is actually meant to disappear yeah. when people appear on the horizon. And uh, it's not about the institution. It's about the people that yes. encounter. And this is they're called the other. You know, the other is the one who is not the same, not like us. The sissies, the queers. Yeah, yeah exactly, the, the outsiders. That always looking for, always look for the discordant uh, phenomenon to cultivate... Uh, a sensitivity to the discordant, um, to the queers, to the, the, the outsiders, to all of that, whoever it is, um, because often they are the site of salvation and transformation and change. That's kind of the positivity of the absurd, a, a, a cultivated sensitivity to the other that will rupture yourself right. to, to positively and transform that, yeah. society. And don't you think that part of the problem with uh, the challenges that... that that face Christians when life is demanding change from them is that we ask the wrong questions of things. So, you know, so when it comes to like, we ask questions about human sexuality. What do we think about sex acts between people? That's not the question. That's not what's coming towards us. What's coming towards us is not, is not a sex act that we don't, that we approve or disapprove of, that we like or don't like. What's coming towards us is another person another human being and the question becomes not do we think what do we think about uh the particularities but how do we deal with the other when they yeah. when they come and i don't mean to diminish that I, that, that could sound like oh 
you know, hate the sin, love the sinner. I think that's bullshit. I, I, no. I, I, I'm, I'm talking deeper than that. that well, they, that, they expose uh, the otherness in ourselves. Yeah. When someone comes with a different view, their difference makes us experience the relativity of our own perspective. Um, so the other that's becomes this disruption. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. All right, well, All right. It's almost one o'clock, and I know you've got to go do your um, do my thing. thing at two o'clock. So I, I just thought that, that maybe if you heard from us a little bit, it would frame the conversations that we've been having, that we are going to have, and that we'll continue to have, just in, in, in a, a, a slightly different way. So maybe, you know, think about all this stuff, and maybe even next week we'll take some time, as we did a couple of weeks ago, and you can come back to us on this. But, yeah, and don't agree, it's not about agreement and disagreeing. You know, let's have a, you know, you don't have to go with what we're saying here. We're just food for thought. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Anyway, yeah. so say hello to somebody.